and they can start the party at Scotland. That's a brilliant goal from Gary Jones. And Henderson, oh, what a goal! Oh, he's drilled home by Steve Davies. Damn, then he comes back to send. Oh, he scored! And now it's Dawson. That is a hugely important goal, which may just keep Rochdale in League One. Hello and welcome to the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. My name is Dean, and I am joined, as always, by Ryan. Ryan, how are you getting on? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good stuff. Also got Chaff with us. Chaff, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, mate. And Luke, how are you, mate? Good, thank you, pal. Good stuff. So, we are talking through Dale's first win in a while on Saturday, a 2-1 victory at Bristol Rovers. And then we've asked for some questions from Twitter, and obviously we'll be talking through um, Dale's Deadline day business. It was probably the busiest deadline day in recent memory um, with three incomings, two outgoings. So I'll be talking through that and answering some of the questions that some of the listeners posed to us on Twitter earlier. But first of all, we'll talk through that victory at Bristol Rovers. And Ryan, it was a it was a slow start, I thought, from Dale. But then he took the lead for a set piece. And we've seen the stats come out about set pieces today. I don't know if you've seen it, but... We've actually, although we've conceded the most in, in the whole of the Football League, we're actually doing quite well in terms of scoring from set pieces. Do you think, we're, do you think this is something we've, we've targeted this season and we're improving with? Well, we're definitely improving at attacking them, um, which is weird, really, to be able to attack them so well, but then defensively we just look like we've never seen a set piece before. Um, but, yeah, it was a slow start. We got back into it, obviously. It looked like a well-worked set piece routine. Sounds like we've worked on it. Um, and yeah, a good win. Set pieces are an issue, obviously, but we've scored 12, I think you said the second most in the league. So we're obviously working on on the attacking side of things. Um, you just wonder what we're doing defensively. Yeah, I suppose it comes down to personnel a little bit as well, doesn't it? Especially with the injuries we've had over the last few weeks. Um, Chaff, I actually thought after the goal that we were the better side and yet we went in at half-time, 1-1 with a goal conceded. I mean, I thought at the time that Alex Newby probably could have done better, but I don't want to criticise him too much after he got the two goals. But it was a strange first half, wasn't it, in that when we were in the ascendancy was actually when we ended up conceding. Yeah, it was. It all came from um, from Hayden Roberts going on one of his uh, mad missions, didn't it? Um, and I know you've given Newby a bit of stick there. Um, and you're right, too, because he does... He, doesn't pick his man up, but when we've got to be better when Roberts goes forward at reacting. So he goes forward, he loses the ball, and Dooley doesn't go out wide quick enough. Don's had to cover in the centre, and it's just about covering, and we just don't seem to be brilliant at it. So the ball comes over from where Dooley's picked up, and Don's had to go into the centre of defence. And it finds its way to the back post where, like you said, Newby didn't pick up either. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, that was frustrating. Um, but then you can't really have a go at Roberts for going forward too much because one of our goals came from doing exactly that as well. So, um, yeah, I thought, we, I thought after we conceded, I thought we were... Well, actually, when we scored, I don't think we played badly, to be perfectly honest, in that first half. I thought... I thought it was quite an even contest, but yeah, it's um, Robert's going on a mission, cost us the goal, didn't it, really? Yeah, Luke, I think we put ourselves under pressure a couple of times doing that in the first half, and we have done all season, but as Chaff said then, it did lead to the winner, didn't it, that? Um, do you think Roberts in particular maybe needs to, to be a little bit more clever about when he decides to go on those maraudering runs forward? Because it does leave us a little bit open sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it comes down to decision-making. And when he did that for, for what led to the goal, um, it wasn't really on. There was better options on than even if it came off, if that makes sense. So even if it, even if it didn't get tackled, I think there were better balls on to go into the midfield regardless of the need to actually do that. Um, we know how good he is at dropping that shoulder and being able to bust on into the centre and then things open, open up for us. It's, it's a great little kind of... Um, trait of his but for me it comes down to the decision making and I think maybe 
because he has been so successful at doing that for us, it's almost like he's got every confidence that it will come off every single time to a point where when he picks up the ball, he probably didn't weigh up what the better option was. He went to the go-to trusted drive out with the ball. You love to see it. Um, it and and it, it's, it's great when it comes off, but that particular moment was a bad decision on Roberts's part and it left us exposed. I think Chaff's right. You, you, you do expect us to react quicker and react better to it with Dooley closing, closing down the cross better and Newby tracking the man. But, you know, stop it at source. Uh, I'd encourage Roberts to do that as much as possible and continue to do it as much as possible. But uh, to always be mindful of, of, of kind of the decision-making process that sits behind it and, and kind of doing the right thing for kind of that, that phase of play. Ryan, it was Alex Newby who got both the goals, as we mentioned there. Um, the first one was a bit of a tap-in, really, but good uh, anticipation from him in the right area. And the second one, although the keeper should have done better, it was a, a fine run and he was almost, he almost created a chance doing a similar sort of thing, didn't he? A few minutes later where he flashed a, a ball across the box after a nice bit of skill. Do you think he's growing in confidence now and starting to, to consider himself as more of a football league player, having taken a while in his career to, to reach this level? Yeah, I think, to be fair, I think even in the first part of the season, he was very good in the final third. I think what he probably needs to get better at is the other two thirds where, um, you know, picking the ball up deep and playing passes off. But um, he's definitely improving. There's no doubt about that. He's getting more confident. And like I said, two very different goals, but two goals that you wonder, I don't think he'd have scored them earlier on in the season. I don't think he'd have had the confidence to cut in like that. And then to be in the middle of a goal area, I don't think he'd have done that either. Um, so he's, he's improving. I think we still need to see a bit more from him. I think we were saying in our chat that he was actually quite poor, I thought, on Saturday. Um, but he's come up with the two goals. And fair play to him. If he can play poorly and get goals and assists, we'll take that all day long. So, yeah, um, he's doing really well, to be fair. And I think there was a bit of criticism earlier on in the season about him on Twitter and things like that. But I think he's proving them people wrong. And there's definitely signs of improvement, which is all you can ask for, um, particularly from a recruitment in the summer. Yeah, I think we spoke, didn't we, that at the time that he signed even, that it was going to perhaps take a little bit of time for him to find his feet. And I think, although like I agree, I don't think he had a great game on Saturday despite scoring the two goals. What, what we are seeing is now that we're playing this more expansive, attack-minded style, it's really suiting him. Um, because earlier in the season when we were in games that where we had a lot of possession, but in deeper areas of the pitch, it just left him. It left him not in the game, basically. And you'd, you'd come out of certain matches and think, well, "I don't think he's had any effect there." Whereas now, even if the result doesn't go our way, the fact that we're getting further up the pitch allows him to shine a little bit more. One man, one man who who shined in one way, Chaff on Saturday and getting two assists was Matt Lund, but he should have had two goals really as well, shouldn't he? Because he missed two two glaring chances in that first half. Yeah, the, the the two sitters, aren't they, really? And so maybe in a normal season, you'd say, he's, he's unlucky. But this season, the guy's been unreal in front of goal, um, especially in the air. And you just expect him to, to finish both of them. So I think that's more of a sort of a reference on him um, and how well he's done this season. The fact that you, you'll be really disappointed not to have got another two goals to his name. Um but yeah, they, he should score both. There's no getting away from that. I'd expect anybody outside of the defence to score both of those. Um, but yeah, I thought he had a. I thought, other than that, I thought he had a good game. Lund. Um going back to Newby, um, did anybody expect him to get seven goals this season? Um, I think he's done really well in terms of like statistically. Um, I agree with what you're saying about he needs to do more in games. He's a, he's very much a final third player in that he, just, he comes to life in the final third and he might go, he might not do much for 80 minutes, but then extra 10 minutes, he might set one up and score one without actually doing a lot else in the game. I think he's, um, to say he's come from non-league and made a huge jump to have seven goals at this stage of the season already, I think he's done really well, mate. I'm just saying, like you can tell, he's actually he's a talented footballer. 
Um, the way he dribbles with the ball, I think his favoured foot is actually his right foot. Um, but if you look at the goal, he's dribbling on his left-hand side and he eventually cuts in on his left. And that must be tricky as a defender to kind of face someone who can dribble with both feet. Um, you know, and he's he's quite a neat technical player, which kind of coming from non-league, you normally, I think, expect that kind of rawness as far as um, that side of the game go, but for them to be physically adapt almost. But uh, with newbies... I don't know, it's, I just know it's difficult coming up against players like that who are both footed and it's unusual to see that in, in this day and age how, how one-footed a lot of players are and yet newbie has got that ability to go both ways. Um, and, and yeah, my, for what it's worth, I think he's been a great signing. I think, I think we're loaned, I think in part, kind of, it, it's down to him, but also in second to that, the way we play is suited, is suited him as well as far as being able to arrive in the box late, have the freedom to get in the box. The counter-attacking style, uh, I think, has favoured his ability to time his runs into a box and get as many goals as what he has done. Um, if he was at a Sunderland, for an example, I don't see him being that type of player because I don't see a Sunderland or whatever, or, or you know, a top team in League One playing Matty Lund in that way. Um, even though he's got as many goals and assists as he has for us, I think in actual fact, I think a large part of that is down to us complimenting it. I think BBM deserves a lot of credit as well when it comes to Matt Lund, because um, he's seen what attributes he's got and he's utilised them in a different way to any other, sort of, to Keith Hill um, and any other manager that he's played under with us. And he, he sees that he's really good in the air and he's, he's sort of utilising him Sometimes like a Vincenti role as like a, a an advanced target man, um, and it it seems to suit him. He's he's, play, he's playing a lot more in the opposition half of the pitch than at any other stage in his day or career. And I think BBM deserves a lot of credit for seeing what he can do further up the pitch as a, as opposed to just being a centre midfielder who puts a slide tackle in and and chips him with a couple of goals. And it, it's proven to be absolutely class this season. I think what I will say on on that in terms of like putting the tackles in, I think part, that's part of the reason why he's also picked up so many cards this season is because when he's been putting tackles in, he's been chasing back and trying to stop a counter-attack and you see those sort of tactical fouls, they call them, don't they? So I think we've seen more of that, whereas earlier on in his career, he'd be facing whoever he was challenging and that leads to probably, it's easier to tackle that way, basically. Right in midfield alongside him on Saturday, I thought Aaron Morley played well as well, personally, defensively. Um, wasn't great with the ball, but we're starting to see a little bit more of him as a defensive-minded midfielder now, aren't we? Yeah, his positioning's getting better. There's no doubt about that. I think he needed it. I think he needed this little run of form that he's on because he, he needs to become a bit of a more all-round player because there's no doubt he's good on the ball and he'll get assists, he'll create chances. But he needed to, if he wants to play in that deeper role, he needed to get better positionally and defensively. And I think the last couple of games, there's signs that he's definitely getting better at that. Um, but I think what we've seen this week with that Shaughnessy coming in, perhaps more is going to be a bit further forward, which which I think will help help him as well. But yeah, I thought he was I thought he was good on Saturday. I thought yeah, he weren't his normal self with the ball, but he did a lot for the team, and and I thought he was a big big part of why we won the game. I think an even bigger part of, of why we won the game, Chaff, was was the performance of Gabriel Osho, who uh, he was certainly my man in the match. He was he was yours in your match report as well. It was a, a proper centre-halves performance from him, wasn't it? Definitely. And I'll tell you what, it reminded me of when uh, Ethan Ebanks-Landau came in on loan. Because it, all it needed at the time was just somebody to come in and do defensive work, not worry about being a ball player, not worrying about keeping possession, but just defend. And I thought he did it absolutely brilliantly on Saturday. Um, and he's been really impressive since he's come in. Um, I know a few people were like, who, who the hell's this guy? Why, what's he going to add to our side? But I think he's, I think he, he was outstanding on Saturday, I really do. Um, to say Newby got two goals, Lund played well, and for Offshore to get out of the match, he, he, I thought he was outstanding. I thought technically he was really good with his defensive work, but I think what pleased me the most was he, he looks like a leader. And for someone so young to come in on loan and come in and instantly... We mentioned it last week when he gave 
Robert's a bit of a bollocking. He's coming straight away. Matt was was it the day after he joined that or something? So to come in and be a leader so early on, it's really impressive for someone that young. And I think he'll be he'll prove to be an outstanding uh, sign at the end of his season. I'm sure of it. Like Chaff said, very similar to Ebanks Lando. Yeah, I think I have to hold my hands up a little bit and say that when he signed, I was a little bit wary that we were signing yet another loanee and another young player when I felt that we maybe needed some experience in there. But um, I suppose he's shown so far that it's more about mentality than it is age, really. And he seems to have that kind of leader's mentality, definitely. Um, Luke, alongside him, I wanted to touch on both uh, Aidan Roberts and Jim McNulty because we've said a few times about Jim um, these last few games where he's not been available it would have been really handy to bring him on in those last few minutes and show up the defence and that's what he did on Saturday but also Aidan Roberts we spoke about his involvement with both the goals ours and and theirs but I just thought generally it wasn't his best performance again and I'm wondering what direction you would go in with the defence once we have uh, O'Connell back and maybe even Paul McShane as well It'd be a good uh, be a good edit for BBM to have for sure um, I think Roberts, he's not looked as good as what he did do in his kind of first three-quarter spell with us, I suppose. I suppose the last kind of month or so, he's, he's kind of struggled. Does that coincide with losing his centre-back partner in O'Connell, maybe? Um, does it also kind of you know play part as far as how young and, and inexperienced he is? I think you kind of see, don't you, with, with players that get introduced to, 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 well, to the Football League, I suppose, at that age... They come in and then they go out and they have the rest and then they come back in again. Um, so maybe what might do Roberts good is to come out of the team, to go back in again though, because I do think he's kind of, he's first, first team quality for us, for, in my opinion, for sure. Um, what do you do when O'Connell's back? For me, O'Connell goes straight in. Um, I'd like I'd like to see potentially, as well as Matty Dawn's doing that left back, you know, he, he looks solid enough for me. On you know uh, last last two games he's looked solid enough, um, but I don't think it's going to be long before he starts being exploited a little bit. I, I'd potentially give Roberts another bash at left back, um, or interestingly, you know, a fully fit defence possibly leads to a back three, and Mick Shane goes in there because every time Mick Shane's played for the club, he's been class. It's just a matter of getting him fit. Uh, I don't think Mick Shane's had a bad game for us, so. It's options, and I I wouldn't know what's best to be honest with you. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Roberts come out, get given a rest, um, to then go back in again. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, Ryan, just one last point on the on the Bristol Rovers game. Um, although we did seem a little bit more sure at the back with with McNulty in there when we went to the back three, we did ride our luck a little bit, didn't we, with a couple of late chances. Um, was it a case of maybe deserving that look after after the late goals that went against us against uh, Oxford and Gillingham? Yeah, hundred percent. I think the key difference was those bits of luck, those chances towards the end weren't banging in the centre of a goal. There was obviously that one. I think it was pretty much in the last second where it flashed across right to a right hand side. And he should have scored and hit the side netting, um, but at least it was at a tight angle and not in the centre of a six yard box like. Um, the Akinde one was so yeah it was um, we deserved it it'd have been I think it'd have been the biggest sickness of the season if we'd have conceded late on in that game because I really don't I know we had a load of shots but I thought we deserved the win really for how we defended in the second half um, so yeah it was good to see that the football god, gods do still recognise Rochdale <laughs> yeah uh, definitely want to celebrate and I suppose we'll move on to, to Monday and the, the transfer deadline day. And we asked we asked for a few questions. JT asked them on our opinions on the, the January transfer window. But I'm just going to go through uh, the signings that we have made, those players that have left. We, we've touched on our show already. But, Chaff, I'll come to you with, with some thoughts on Shaughnessy. Connor Shaughnessy arrived from Leeds. Um, is that the kind of signing we were hoping for? He looks like he's versatile. Uh, got good pedigree, the right kind of age as well, where... He can still develop without being, you know, so so young and inexperienced. Is that the kind of signing that you were hoping to see on deadline day? It is definitely. Um, I'll admit I've not seen anything of him myself personally. 
Um, it looks a good signing on paper. Obviously, anything can happen. Um, I've also I used to work with a, a lad who's a Mansfield Town season ticket holder, um, and he spent some time at Mansfield on loan, and he really rates him. Um, said he was a really good player and he'd do a really good job for us. Um, that was all I needed to know, really. In terms of position, it's exactly the type of player that I would like to have seen us bring him. Um, even better than it's a permanent deal as well, because he, he, he does look a, a real asset. He's someone who can fit in defensive midfield. He could play centre-back. I think someone brought it up on the either on one of the group chats or on the message board that it, it could be things don't go our way in the summer. It could be a sort of long-term replacement for Owen O'Connell. It seems to be quite a similar sort of player. Um, he's a physical presence as well. He's a big lad. So yeah, I've nothing but positive reaction to that signing. I was really pleased to get that one. Do you know what position he, he kind of played for Montiel, Chaff? Defensive midfield. Right. Um, that's why he said he, he, and he said he did really well. Basically, like we saw in the reserve game this week, he basically sat in front of the back four um, and, and did really well. I think, yeah, like Chaff said, exactly what we needed. I think that bit of height in midfield will be good as well. Um, if he plays the number six role, and we've got two big centre-halves and a big defensive midfielder. I think that'll help on set pieces as well, um, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, positive things from that, that bit of recruitment. Luke, what about the two, the two younger players that we saw coming in? Uh, obviously, we won't see much of them, but are you excited by their arrivals? That's Conor Grant, who we've paid a fee for, I believe, an attacking midfielder from Sheffield Wednesday. And Jack Vale um, on, on loan from Blackburn, another attacking option as well. Looks like a centre-forward who can help out uh, with a bit of strength and depth up there with, with injuries for Humphreys and Beasley. Are you excited by those two arrivals? Yeah, mate, yeah. I mean, it's nice to see, uh, it's nice to see us do permanent business um, because that gives us a bit of a foundation. It gives us a bit more of a solid future and comes across as kind of quite a creative player. Um, so I'm, I'm very, out of all of them, me personally, I'm actually looking forward to kind of grant them all to see what he can bring. Um, I'm not sure why, though. I just, I just have that feeling, really. Um, and yeah, you know, I think kind of it gives us another option with Vale coming in. Uh, don't know much about him, um, but it gives us that option, doesn't it, going forward. Humphreys has been injured this season. Beasley's been injured this season. It gives us that extra bit of kind of, um, you know, that backup to have a natural striker at the club. Um, should Beasley, uh, Humphreys kind of pick up any knocks rather than making do with maybe newbie up there or, or you know, newbie and Lundoff in that kind of thing. Um, I think it's always best when you get players playing in natural positions. Ryan, the, the, the downside of the transfer window is that we haven't signed a left-back. That seemed to be the position that we most desperately needed to strengthen. It seemed that the club were we're trying to sign uh, Demetri Mitchell from Blackpool, but it didn't quite get over the line. Uh, we've seen a couple of players have played in the trial game in the de- with the development squad against Carlisle. Are you hopeful that we can still bring a left back in? Because although Dunn's put in a couple of decent performances in the last couple of weeks, it does still look like a glaring weak spot in our squad, doesn't it? Yeah, it, yeah. I think it'd be nice to bring one in, but I think with all the centre-halves we've got now, once we're all fit, I think Luke's mentioned Roberts maybe having another go there. Dawn can do it. Keowain can do it if McLaughlin's fit. So it'd be nice to bring one in. I wanted one in January. Sounded like we did our best to bring one in. Just couldn't get it over the line. Um, but I think just sort of something on the defensive side. I think you mentioned last week the fact that were we 18 for something in balls um, regained in the opposition half. Uh, I think for, uh, it was 24 for the ball ret- retained in, in the final third, so yeah. Right, so to have, I suppose, fresh legs to bring on, you know, might help us win the ball up higher up the pitch than we have been doing, um, which hopefully will help with these recruits. But yeah, we left back on paper definitely looks like it needs working on, but I think for the last few games, what players we've put there have done a relatively okay job um, and I think could see us through for the rest of the season. Chaff, one of the surprising stories of deadline day was Fabio Tavares is moved to Coventry. Now, I didn't see that coming. Looks like we've got a fee for him. 
Um, that's got to be considered good business for the club, hasn't it? Given that his his substitute and, and fleeting performances here and there have shown glimpses, but not loads to be excited about. Uh, it's amazing business, in my humble opinion. Um, I've given him a bit of stick to tolerate him. I've not seen anything to make me think that he would be a, a regular first-team player for us, let alone a championship side. Um, he's one of them that I would have said he's probably going to see out a football career in the conference, maybe at League Two level. So to get money for him is the best deal the club have done since they managed to get money for George Donnelly. It astounded me, to be honest. I was like, where has that come from? And what have they seen that, that we haven't? But fair play to him. I hope, I hope he makes it. I hope he proves me wrong. Um, hopefully we've got maybe a, a couple of clauses in that deal um, in case he does surprise us and go on to bigger and better things. Um, but yeah, I was as surprised as anybody. And just going back onto the, the incoming signings, um, or lack of sort of in at the left back position. And we Ryan, we've needed a left back. Not just not even just since January, since like November when we realised that Paula weren't going to be the answer. And to have one seemingly one option, I don't know, it's surely we've got to have a plan B in that situation. And yeah, Dimitri Mitchell had been a really sort of a really positive signing as well. Um, and it was disappointing not to get that over the line, but we've got to have another option, surely. Um, hopefully, there's there might be somebody out of contract that can come in and do a job. But but I was still disappointed that we didn't bring the left back in. It was the one position we were desperate for going into the window, coming out of the window, and we still haven't got it. And I don't particularly want to see Matt Dawn players that many games there. Hayden Roberts playing there's a or training there's a risk because it hasn't worked before. Um, but I do agree that we've got more defensive options now that that we can reshuffle, so that there are different options like Keogh and going there when McLaughlin's fit and stuff like that. But it was disappointing not to bring the left back in. I suppose it was less surprising to see the news that Quadro Bar will be leaving the club in the summer and joining. Well, I suppose slightly surprising that he's gone to Manchester City, uh, but no one expected him to stay at Rochdale. I don't think, Luke. Um, we don't know the ins and outs of the deal. It's not even been officially announced by either party yet, although we, everyone knows that it's happened. But in the circumstances, do you think it's maybe a good deal for, for all involved? I think so. I think, you know, getting getting whatever we've got for him, uh, you'd, you'd like to think that we've got clauses in there as we, as we usually do around sell-ons and things like that. We've got that opportunity there now and um, rather than losing him for probably peanuts in the summer, to be fair. Um, the added bonus is that he's still with us to the end of the season. Um, and, you know, I know kind of it didn't pan out that way, but it wasn't classed as a, as a loan coming back either, which could have been utilised. Um, the option was there to be utilised anyway. So I think it is good business. Obviously, we're, we're assuming a few things with regards to the fee and the deal itself, but we've got him to the end of the season. Um, and we've probably got a deal there that, that includes sell-ons, and that, I think that's the big one. Ryan, it's a little bit of a shame that, as super talented as he is, we've, we've not got to see loads of him in person and not seen his best performances in person, and perhaps we'll be watching his career from afar, um, having seen his devil career from afar as well. Yeah, oh, it's a massive shame we've not seen him in person, especially this season with some of the um, some of the performances he's put in, but it won't be the first time we'll see someone for a season and then they'll go. Um, so yeah, it's it's annoying, but it's been good to watch him while he's been here, and I'm sure to be fair for the rest of his season, he's probably going to put on a bit of a show to try and get in the uh, city's put probably not the first team, but at least get a starting spot in the EDS squad perhaps. Um, so we'll be doing his utmost to perform and and make sure he's, he's in their plans moving forward. Um, so I'm excited to see more of him, that's for sure. Yeah, I know you'll disagree uh, because we spoke about it at the time, but I, I can't help but feel that City's the wrong club for him just because I don't really trust that he'll get enough first-team opportunities there. I think he would have been better off going to 
a lower tier club where it was more likely that he'd have a path through to the first team. And City, for me, it's just, I know Foden's now getting game time, but it's taken however long. And there's other players there that, that have been on the brink and not got enough game time. And I just wonder whether he could have, it's good for us because we, we get the fee now, but I just wonder whether if I was in his situation, I would have waited until the summer uh, to, to see what panned out. Um, if Man City come knocking and you're 18 years old, I don't like I don't take no pleasure in sort of bigging Manchester City up at all. Ryan sat there in his Man City top, by the way. Appalling <laughs> behaviour. But if you if you if, if Man City come knocking and you're 18 years old, how do you turn that down? Um, is what I'd say to that. It, it, he he won't sit. Whether it, whether we think it's the the right deal for him or not, it'd be very very difficult for anybody to to turn that opportunity down. Um, as a professional footballer, I think. What I would say to that though is looking at the play, looking at some of the other teams that were interested in him. You know, it, it might have been that there was maybe not maybe not a bigger club, but you know, equally huge clubs seemed to be interested in him. Ryan's pulling his face as if Bayern Munich and Juventus aren't as big as Manchester City there, but um, I know I, that, I know that's just rumours and it's unlikely that those clubs were actually in for him, but if City really wanted him, they'd have still been there in the summer and he could have looked at other options and there might have been a club where you know he, he could have got a few more chances. The, I suppose the argument to that is City might not have been there in the summer if he had a really bad run of form or he got a big injury towards the back end of this season that slowed him down because he's got bags of pace or whatever. Um, so I think going back to a message you sent in the group a few weeks ago, take the money while you can. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Um, Rochdale Uscardi, I think, is uh, he asked who do you think will be the better player, Bar or Matheson, which kind of ties into something that I was going to ask anyway, which was how far do we think Bar will go in the game? But I suppose, Ryan, I'll come to you, back to you first. But, but which of those two players do you think is most likely to to have the better career? Bar. I think he's there's more physicality about him. Um, I think you tend to see players further up the pitch do a bit better because they're a bit easier on the eye. I think Matheson's height, I hate to say it because I don't think he defines you as a footballer, but I think that will hinder him um, moving forward. Especially now you see the size of some full-backs in the Premier League. Been massive. Obviously, Lamped is different, but yeah, I think Barr will go further. Um, in addition to that, I think Matheson's better placed at the minute um, to sort of forge something out. Um, roughly the same age, aren't they? But I was very interested to see Matheson go out on loan to a to a big League One club. Um, I'm going to be interested to see how that sort of pans out. I didn't expect to see him go to somewhere like Ipswich, for example. Um, and if he can make a success of, of that loan deal, I think he's. I think he has a huge future in the game. I mean, I know we um, we speculated at the time as to how far he can go, given his size, um, whether he'll get swallowed up in Wolves' youth teams. Uh, but he seems to be holding his own in the 23s. I expect he'll play quite a bit of. Papa John Trophy games in the next couple of years, whereas it might be a little bit longer for Bar. And I think if Bar doesn't hit the ground running in the, the youth teams at, at Manchester City, like Dean was saying, it's there's only one way to go for that from there, isn't there? I'd like to think that Bar's the more exciting player. There's no two ways about it. Um, and if he can stay injury free and he can keep his explosiveness and his pace, there's no reason why Bar can't have a, a huge future in the game as well. Yeah, I think just to add to that, I think I think Barr's got more potential, like you've just said there, Chaff, but I think um, I think Matheson's probably got uh, more of a chance of, of, of forging out a decent career. Um, in Matheson, this is difficult and this comes down to perception, but I think Matheson um, is, is a bit more mature, comes across more mature than, than what Barr does right now. Um, and that plays a big part, I think. And obviously, they're both young and, and they've both got a lot to learn. But um, for me, I think Matheson stands more of a chance of actually having a, a solid career than what Barr would um, for those reasons. Yeah, I, I would agree with that also. I think I think Barr is likely to have more competition at Manchester City and also in the position that he plays wherever he decides to go. Whereas 
especially at Wolves, because they, they always have a really small first-team squad. There's always a chance that Matheson, with a couple of injuries, is in and around that first-team squad in the next couple of years. So, And in the position that he plays, there's likely to be a little bit less competition anyway. Um, I, I'm a bigger fan than, of Matheson than some. I think those little mistakes that we saw defensively, um, I think they're really noticeable when they come from a 17-year-old. I think Quadro Bar's made a lot of mistakes, but they don't lead to conceded goals and people don't quite understand that sometimes, I don't think. But um, yeah, I think Matheson will go further personally. And what I would say about the, the loan deal to Ipswich, although it, Ipswich are a massive club, they're not in the greatest position at the moment. And it seems like a bit of a toxic club, if I'm honest. The fans aren't happy with the manager. They wanted him gone for about a year, I think. Um, I'm not sure that's a, a great move for him, if I'm honest. I would have liked to have seen him to, to go to, although maybe a smaller club, one with a, in a better position at the moment. But getting first-team football is the main thing for him. And I suppose it would be the same for Barr, staying with us for the rest of the season and getting those minutes. We'll, be, we'll put them both in good stead um, for the future. Uh, another question on the recruitment, Greg asked, uh, Ryan, I'll come to you on this one, but Greg asked, how much has the culture of transfers changed at the club uh, since BBM has been manager in the last two years? Uh, he hasn't signed an awful player yet. Would you agree with that? And, and what have you made of the sort of change in culture of the transfers under BBM? There are as many broken toys as Keith Hill would have said. A lot of them are, it seems that the philosophy has changed slightly, not too much, but slightly. Every signing's quite a young player, it seems now, um, looking to use the club as a bit of a stepping stone. But I think the togetherness in the squad is seems a lot stronger than it has been probably since that promotion winning team with um, Rose, Lancashire, Easton, um, Dawn, Hendo, um seems like the, together, the togetherness is very similar to that and that's without having the nights out that you can go on as a footballer. Um, so I'm keen to see what happens next season when we can start doing stuff like that and doing more things together. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's just younger lads and I think BBM said on a podcast the personality is a big thing for him as well as the technical ability. Um, yeah. I think BBM has always sort of had a say in the transfers as well, hasn't he? And it's it's clear to see even now the signings that, that he had a hand in sort of before he was the actual first team manager. Yeah, he's um, he said on our podcast, didn't he, that he, how heavily he was uh, involved in recruitment, even under Hill. Um, the likes of Dooley, Keohane, um that worked out a little bit better, although I'm not a big fan of Dooley, um, than the likes of... Um, James Finity and um, was the other lad called Sean McGinty you mentioned, didn't he? Sean McGinty, yeah. Um, so he's had a he's had a hand in recruitment well before checking the hot seat himself. I disagree a little bit with Greg's point that he's not signed an abysmal player because I'm going to throw Raquel Pike in that. <laughs> uh, awful, truly awful player. Offered nothing. Um, Tyler McGlaw wasn't a good signing either. Um, Looked it on paper, but didn't work. And Bowler's not been very good at all. So I think BBM's recruitment's been very good overall. Um, there's a, there's a couple of, of, of weaker signings in there, and I think he's given contracts out to players who didn't necessarily deserve them. So um, which has sort of left us a little bit in the lurch and trying to get either get rid of them or waiting for him to run the contracts down. Um, but yeah, his, his recruitment overall has been very good. I think. He uses the loan market a lot more than what Keith Hill did, um, and I think he signed. I think he aims to bring players, younger players, in that are ready for the action quicker than what Hill would. Hill would always go for. There's no that you don't see BBM ever trying to sign an Aaron Wilbraham, for example, or a Jim McNulty. Really, they seem to be a lot younger. I know he's brought in McShane, but. We've not seen a lot of much in, and I think that was more of a thing for the dressing room to to mix with the younger players, whereas Keith Hill possibly brought in more sort of experienced players than what BBM does. I don't, I don't think BBM sees uh, vast experience as being as important as what Hill did, for example. You mentioned there about the, the contracts and, and the fact that he's maybe left us in a, in a tough spot in terms of trying to move players on. Um, 
one of the questions from Jacob was was about the contracts that are up at the end of the season and who we think we need to tie down, um, including BBM, of course, who, whose contract only runs to the summer at the moment. Um, I'm going to read out the players that are out of contracts in the summer. Chaff, thanks for, for sorting this earlier. Um, this isn't including the YTS lads, obviously. I'm going to read them all out and then just ask you which ones you would be desperate to tie down uh, and which ones you, you maybe haven't quite made a decision on yet um, out of these. So the, the list is Owen O'Connell, Matt Lund, Harrison Hopper, Jay Lynch, Jim McNulty, Jimmy Keoghan, Jimmy Ryan, Joe Dunn, Keaton Mulvey, Lewis Bradley, Matt Doan, Paul McShane, Ryan McLaughlin and Stephen Dooley. Um, Luke, I'll come to you first. Out of that list, which ones would you, would you be desperate to tie down and which ones would you be sort of still considering? For me, um, I would like BBM tied down. I would like, I, w- I would absolutely love it if, if O'Connell would, would sign on. Um, and I think, you know, I don't think anyone will argue with, with Matty Lund either. Um, Lund, O'Connell and, and BBM for me would be, be the main ones. Um, players who, are, who I would kind of, I would take as squad players for next season. Uh, I think Jimmy Cahane's earned the right. He's versatile um, and he's, he's done well for us this season on the whole. Um, for me, if we're looking at progressing, Jimmy Cahane become, becomes a, a, a squad player rather than a first team player, but I'd be looking to sign him back on. Um, the rest of them, I'd love to say McShane, but he's not been fit enough. I'd love to say Jimmy Ryan, but he's not been fit enough. And these are the players that'll be commanding a decent wedge, I reckon. Um, so I, I take or leave it, to be fair, I, with, with them. Likewise, I think McLaughlin would depend on how much he plays now between now and the end of the season. If he's ever present, I'd like McLaughlin on as well, for sure. If not, if it's bitter, um, then it's time to go. Dooley, he's playing well. But I think he falls under, probably under Keohane as far as, I'd have him as long as it wasn't a financial burden and he, the plans were that he was going to be a bench player. Um, and the rest can go, for what, for what I've seen. Um, I agreed with you up until Dooley. Um, Chaff, <laughs> are you with me there? Because I saw you shaking your head when you uh, <laughs> mentioned Dooley. Yeah, I'm, I, I agree wholeheartedly, apart from the Dooley bit, I think. O'Connell and Lund are absolute no-brainers. You want to get them tied down um, to two-year contracts, at least. Um, they're effectively what you would have classed Henderson and Camps as last season. If we had a choice, you'd keep them too. And then after that, you, you, you're struggling out of your key ahead. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm pretty much in agreement with Luca. probably offer him a one-year deal. Um, I think he's de- deserving of that. I think he's, he's exceeded everybody's expectations this year. I don't actually think with Keohane he's ever been brought in or kept on to be a first-team player. I always think he's probably been... The, the hope was to use utilise him as a squad player, but injuries and lack of transfer activity in certain positions have always meant that we've had to rely on him. So, And he's, he, he's not let us down at all, to be perfectly honest with you. So I wouldn't be disappointed if he was kept on. Um, McLaughlin... If we can, like you said, if we can get him on the pitch more often than we don't between now and the end of the season, I think he's worth another deal. Because uh, I think he adds something that we don't have anywhere else in the in, in the side. I think he's a, a really good fullback when he's fit. And if we can get him as, it seems like the deal that we got this season for McLaughlin suited all parties. It's like a one-year deal, and on pretty much half the wage he was on before so he's probably not he's not breaking the bank so to speak to keep him so if we can get enough games out of him you'd keep him because he's a wonderful player the rest feel that Ryan any there that you, you would disagree with agree with where do you stand on that um, the definites would be BBM obviously O'Connell Lund Keoghan same as the you know Chaff and Luke McLaughlin if he can play enough games for the back end of this season and then I'd give a contract to one of McShane or McNulty. If McShane can get himself fit, I'd give him a deal. If he can't, I'd be giving McNulty a similar deal to what BBM was on Underhill. I think McNulty will sign of some kind of coaching capacity as well, I reckon. He was with the under-23s the other day. Yeah, I wouldn't be against that either at all. I think um, I think he's a good 
a good person to have around the football club. Speaks yeah, really well, speaks really passionately. Um, and I know it's not all about that, but um, as far as having that continu- continuity, I think Jim fits that profile quite well as well. Um, if Jim was to stay, for me, it'd have to be simply as a, as a coach. I don't want him playing anymore. Uh, and yeah, I, it, to be honest, if I'm, I'm looking at that, that the amount of players that are out of contracts, I, personally, I don't think O'Connell will stay. I think that would be ambitious if, for us to keep him. Um, but I'm looking at the rest of them. I'm not massively gutted if any of them leave, and that can leave a lot of room in the, in the wage budget for next season, which in a way is actually quite exciting. Um, so we'll see what happens, I suppose. There's still a long way of the season to go, and there's a lot of players there that I think have a point to prove and, and can try and win themselves a contract, which is only a good thing, um, really. So another question Daniel asked, um, who slash what is most to blame for the lack of consistency? The players, the manager or the system? Luke, I'm going to go to you with that one. Oh, it's a collective, but it falls with the manager in, in many respects, especially with the goals that we've conceded. I think it, fall, it does fall with the manager because BBM has been quite, um, which is often a kind of a trait that's associated with some of the best managers in the world is that stubbornness. Um, so I don't necessarily say it as a as a negative, but he has shown that he has been unwilling to adapt and change when probably as fans watching, we've felt as though that need to do so has been there in games. But uh, so it does fall with BBM, but at the end of the day, everyone has that also you know, everyone has that individual responsibility to make sure that they're doing the, the job. And with a lot of the goals that we've conceded this season, it's through um players not doing the job right and, and, and that's the player's responsibility as well. Um, it's a real tricky one to just point the finger at you know one person um, but I think a lot of it as well and, and I know people hate to like hate when we play this card but I think financially you know we're not in that position where we can have you know a massive squad where when players aren't in form you can just swap them around and stuff. We've not had that luxury why haven't we had that luxury? Is that BBM's fault? Is it because we haven't had the finances? I don't know. Is it because we're slowly building to that point? kind of feels like it when we talk about the players that we've got already contracted to next year. Um, so is it just that process that we're going through? You know, it could. I think that plays a part as well. Ryan, I'm interested to know your opinion on this because we know that you're a big BBM fan. How much blame does he take, do you think, for that lack of consistency and how much goes to the players or, or even the system that BBM himself um, sort of persists with, shall we say? Um, it's got to take a bit because defensively, particularly set pieces, that has to improve. Although I do think that's down to, a lot of that's down to the size of us, which again, you can probably put down to BBM the type of profile of player he wants. Um, but aside from that, I won't put the blame necessarily on one per. Let's be honest, there aren't many teams in English football at the minute that are consistent. Um, so you can put a lot of it down to the situation, the injuries we've had. But you can't put it wholly down to that because everyone's had injuries in English football this season. But I'm similar to Luke. I won't I won't say it's BBM's fault. I won't put it all on my players either. I don't it's not the system for me. I don't think it's necessarily the system. Um, but it's too many factors to pinpoint it to one. Joe asked, who, who has been the best and worst players for Dale this season? Jaff, I'll come to you first. Um, which players would you would you select in those categories? Question. Um, best player for me has been Matt Lund overall. Um, you can't ignore the, the goals he's got um, from midfield. I think he's been outstanding. Stephen Humphreys, um, albeit not as many games, but genuinely looks like he's going to score every single game. Um, I think he's been an unbelievable signing. Um, was it eighteen? Eight? I think he's he's averaging more than a goal every other game. So I think he's been outstanding as well. Um, I think Newby's taken to League One football very well, and I think he's like we said before. Is um, we've we've got a lot out of him um, in terms of goals, more than what we would expect. I think Jimmy Keown deserves a really good mention as well. In terms of pinpointing one, I'm going to put Matt Lund as the best. Uh, the worst is a toss-up between Matt Dawn and Stephen Dooley. I can maybe throw a bit of Jim McNulty in there. Stephen Dooley winds me up beyond anybody else, I think. 
Luke, how about yourself? I think Humphreys has been our best player for me. I can't. It's difficult to argue with uh, with your point, Chaffer, with with Lund. Um, I, just, I, I think I've just taken more enjoyment from having a, a proper striker again. Um, kind of, yeah, he's been an amazing signing. So I think Humphreys has been our best player. I think we're only he's only going to get better and better. Um, so I'd have, I'd have Humphreys as number one. Who's been the worst? Um, for me, it's a toss-up again between Matt Dawn and Lynch. Um, I think I think we've just looked so weak every time Lynch has been in net. But having said that, I think Matt Dawn, has, uh, as far as getting most annoyed at a player, I, I'm going to have to say Matt Dawn, as much as I like him as well, it's weird to say, but just a lot of aimless running when he's been up top without doing anything at all. Um, I think predominantly he's been weak when he's coming at the back. Um, although I'll end it on a positive, I think he's played well the last couple of games, and I hope he goes on to, you know, to, to keep this consistency up and, and change my opinion. But as far as players who you get infuriated by, um, unfortunately, Matt Bond's one of them for me these days. Uh, Ryan, I'll, I'll let you finish off with that one as well. Best, I agree. I, I'm home for his. Um, although I think closely followed by London Keoane. Um I think worst by a country mile for me, McNulty. Um, he was doing me heading even in pre-season. I remember watching a Stockport game, I think it was. And I just remember nearly throwing my laptop out the window because he just kept, every time he got the ball, he just, a 50-yard, don't mind a 50-yard diagonal, but a 50-yard straight ball right to the keeper's hands. He did that at least nine times. Um, and then he's, he's continued that into the league and then let the club down massively the other week, so... Minority worst for me so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go anything different to you guys. Lund, the best for me. Um, m- mostly because I think even when we've played badly, I think he's played well. Whereas I think Humphries has had a couple of games where he's not really affected the game. And it, it, was, more, it was more for us than him, specifically. But um, I think I've been impressed with Lund more over the course of the season. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with Lynch as worst. I just feel... I have no confidence in us winning when he's playing. And that's really harsh, but it's true. So, Ryan, I'll come back to you with another one. I think I know what your answer for this one will be. But um, really great question. GT asked, if we could keep only one of Rathbone and Morley, which one would you keep? Morley. I did a, this is the only question I've done any notes on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Morley is joint third in League One with assists. Um, he's got six. He's created 32 chances this season, which is more than three out of the five players either equal or above him in that chart. Um, and he's got one of the best passing accurate percentages. Um, and that's with trying 200 more than the 20 players on the top assist list. Um, I think he's improved massively. He's continuing to improve. And I think that type of player is the most difficult to recruit at this level. I think there's a there's hundred other Olive Rathbones out there that we could sign. Quality answer that, right? Quality answer. Chaff, same question, different answer. And I, I'm I'm going to go Rath. I'd, I'd, I'd keep Rathbone, and I'm going to disagree with Ryan. I think in modern football now, I think there's probably five or more for every Olive Rathbone. Um, I think there's a lot more players coming through and playing that sort of quarterback role looking to, to to play the ball as opposed to the more the, the, the energetic running and, and pressing that Ollie does and I don't think personally I, th- I think if, if you lost now if you lost Morley from the side you could replace him with Jimmy Ryan if he's, if he's fit or Ethan Briley if Ollie Rathbone goes now we, we feel Rathbone's missing from the squad more than we do Morley I don't see many coming through and doing the job that that, Rath, that we want Rathbone to do, picking the ball up and running with it. We want Dooley to be able to do it, but he can't. And I also think in terms of keeping one, because of age and the numbers that you said, um, you probably get more money for potential with Morley, so he'd be the one to sell. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Six assists. He's not Kevin De Bruyne, is he? <laughs> it's not bad, though. It's not bad, but it's not... In league. No one else. There's two other players that have done more. Well, it takes every single set piece that we have. And it plays, that many, it, plays that many, it plays that many balls that 
some of them are going to come off. So I think that's more down to the role that he plays. I, I, don't get me wrong. I, I think he's had a. I, I think he's a, a re, very good player. Um, I think Rathbone gives you something that you can't find as easily as what you could if you tried to replace Marley. Luke, go and answer it. <laughs> yeah, yeah this is, I was thinking that myself. Like, I'm really glad that I could take over as the host here because I am very much on the fence. Yeah, yeah, I was on the fence, and then Rice said his piece. Um, that, that well-scripted piece. And uh, I thought, yeah, you can't argue with it. And then Chaff. <laughs> Chaff out of nowhere has just pulled it back for Rathbone. <laughs> um, Do you remember that show on Dave where they used to get, like, two people to, like... I think it was called, like, argumentative. So they get one person to, like, do a five-minute spiel about yeah. something and then someone would argue the other side and then they'd get the studio audience. This is yeah. exactly what's happening right now. <laughs> I think if it was going to have to happen is Ryan and Chaff are going to have to have a pie and I'll just go with whoever wins that. I mean, I prefer Ollie Rathbone. I prefer him. Um, I think Morley's weaknesses stand out more than Rathbone's weaknesses for me. I know we criticise Rathbone with regards to passing and stuff like that and creativity from his perspective, but I think Morley needs more support around him than what Rathbone does to protect his weaknesses in comparison to Wally's, if that makes sense. Um, you need battlers to, for Morley to allow him to do what he does. But if I had to pick one, but there it is, Ollie. But real difficult, real difficult uh, question. That one. One thing I will add is I think because of it was being played out of position earlier on in the season, I don't think we've seen as much of Rathbone as I would want to have seen. Um, I think he's. I think he should be chipping in with a few more goals. Um, than, than what he does uh, what he has done this season but I think we've seen more recently him back to what we all want Ollie Rathbone to be um, so I think that'll come I think his work rate's just incredible I think he works harder than he, he looks like he works harder than anyone else I think he starts to back that up more chaff I came prepared yeah <laughs> I was just going to say I'm a point Luke made about you know Morley without a battler um, won't work quite as well. I think Rathbone without a ball player next to him, you you won't want two Rathbones in the middle, or I certainly won't want to. And we won't be able that's to. The, yeah, that's the point I was making. Though I think Rathbone can get away with it more. I think Molly uh, needs that more than Rathbone needing the creativity. I think in my opinion, right now, I'd agree because I think I agree with what Chaff said that Ryan is a Ryan will be a closer. Um, replacement for Morley than anyone that we have will be yeah. a replacement for Rathbone so in the current squad yeah I'd agree with that Lund could do the Rathbone job and I think Hopper could as well I don't think Lund has the same energy that Rathbone does I don't think he can drive us forward with the same sort of not pace but that same sort of drive if that makes sense yeah. I'm not sure it's, it's a really good question yeah Morley won't be getting the assist if you're going to pull Lund back in there right no comment <laughs> <laughs> Um, Gab Sutton asked us, uh, what's the highest position RAFC can realistically finish in this season? Um, another great question. Right, I'll come to you first for that one. Um, I had a quick scan at the table, but I didn't do it in massive depth. But I think I'd be surprised if we finished higher than 15th. I think the teams above that, I think you're getting into sort of Gillingham Fleetwood territory, and I don't think we'll finish above them. Um, but I think. I might be wrong, but I think MK Dons were maybe 15th or 16th. I think we can look at targeting them and catching them. Um, if we finish high, we might be, it'd take an unreal bit of form towards the back end of the season. But I'd, I'd be looking at attacking that 17th, 16th, 17th and getting out of danger. Chaff, would you agree with that? Yeah, more or less. Um, I don't see us finishing 16th, 17th, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility. So I, in terms of what's the highest we could realistically aim for, it's probably about right. Any, I'll say, I've said it before and I'll say it again, anything above the relegation zone for me is a bonus. Uh, still expect us to be battling like mad from the end of the season. We haven't, I think we have enough to, to be able to stay up. Um, whether we do or not remains to be seen. Um, but in terms of highest, Realistic expectations. Yeah, go along with 16, 17. Luke, where do you stand? Well, I think the highest position we can we can probably finish is, is probably for me 
14, 15th. But a lot of things would have to come, you know, would have to go in our favour for that to happen. Um, I think we strengthened well in January. I think if we can go through a, a spell where we actually have a full name on full squad fit rather than the freak injury kind of uh, experiences that we've been having in, then I feel as though that would be probably the highest that you'd see the squad finishing. In reality, I see us staying up. Um, and I say you're staying up pretty much where we are now. Yeah, I'm really struggling with this one as well because I, I think I agree. But then I'm not sure if the teams below us are quite as bad as I thought they were for a while. And Wimbledon are, are, are going to change the manager. That could lead to a change in their fortunes. We saw earlier in the season that they can put a run together. Burton have changed the manager recently. I think they're maybe starting to be put adrift a little bit, but I wouldn't rule them out of another run. Bristol Rovers, I'm really surprised with how poor they looked on Saturday, really, because I think on paper they've got a really good squad, and if Tisdale can get them going, I think they could be a threat to us as well. So I'm not yet confident that we stay up comfortably, and yet at the same time, I think we, I think we probably will. <laughs> I'm not confident, but I think, yeah, 17th, 18th is probably realistically as high as we can finish and maybe where we will finish. Fingers crossed. Um, Next question comes from Jack. Um, Jack, I think we're going to have to just do a Q&A for the amount of questions that you asked us, mate. So we'll maybe just get you on and get, get you to ask us as many questions as you like. But um, the one that I've picked out, which I think is relevant, is um, if you could bring back one former player, who would it be? I'll go the other way this, this time around. So, Luke, I'll come to you first. Uh, if you could bring back one former Dale player into the current squad, who would it be? Still playing or any, any from any, any time? I'll say any. I think that's what he meant. Probably for what the squad needs, I'd probably say Norrington Davis. For what the squad needs, um, I think he fixes a lot of what we've got uh, going wrong. So it might not be a popular answer that, but Norrington Davis for me. It's a, it's a solid answer. I think everyone agrees we need a left back. So I don't think anyone's going to disagree too much with it. Chaff, what about you? Um, I actually quite like that point you've made there, Luke. Um, and yeah, it's probably a really good answer to that. Um, Craig Dawson for me, every day of the week. Um, <laughs> Without good Craig Dawson, he's your man. I even need a left back. <laughs> yeah, true. Dawson all day long. Ryan, am I allowed to be boring and agree with Luke? Gus, right. you, you are boring most of the time, mate. So I'll just go. <laughs> yeah, Norrington Davis for me. Left back. Everyone's saying we need one. I don't know why he wouldn't pick one. And then I'd love to see him and Bard on that left-hand side. I think that'd be pretty exciting. I know why Jack has asked this question to me, because I know he wants me to say. Um, and I was thinking before, like, I don't want to say it because it's so obvious for me. I don't want to be so on brand. But I was thinking about Dawson, thinking, oh, if we had Craig Dawson, then I don't think there'd be any danger in us going down. I was thinking Gary Jones is the sort of player you would love to have in a relegation battle. I was thinking also about left-backs. I was thinking about Norrington Davies and Tom Kennedy. Uh, and then I settled on Paddy McCourt. Um, <laughs> um, a couple of last questions Rory asked. Um, if the Dale players were to end up in town on a night out, who would end up where and why? Um, has anyone got any, any suggestions for that one? Aaron Morris stinks he lit and tree, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah he does yeah I'm not sure about that one to be honest I, I, I feel like you guys are more versed in nights out in Rochdale so I'm leaving it up to you yeah just thinking fair, I was going to say the, the only place I see anybody is in, is in Empire because they refuse to go anywhere else and I think Matt Thorne would probably be in there as well because I think he's a I remember uh, years ago seeing him uh, bumping into him at a Corsina's gig at Eaton Park um, so yeah that's the only one I can think about yeah I'm, I think you're right with Aaron Marley Absolutely, he's all over that little tree dance floor. Thinks of it, doesn't he? You'd yeah, imagine, yeah. you'd imagine the Irish contingent maybe in the flyer for the live music. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, in the Guinness with McNulty. McNulty will be there. Yeah. Um, Lies and Lewis the Bradley and that—they'll just be hovering outside, won't they? Because they can't get in. Nice <laughs> I think that's a really good thing for anyone to get in touch with us if they've seen any Dale players on a night out where they've seen them and if they've seen any gigs I think it would be a good one as well uh, I remember seeing Matt Jilks at um, the Rifles a couple of years ago that was a nice surprise uh, the last question uh, is from Mac I'm just going to ask for a, a simple one word answer Ryan who would win 
out of a fight between a lion and a shark? Depends where it was. No, I asked for one word answer, Chaff. Lion. Luke. Lion. Ryan. Um, lion, providing it's on land. That's not what I, mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we've run out of time, so I'm going to skip the uh, quiz this week. Um, I'm sure people are sick of listening to us by this point, so we'll do a longer one next week. Maybe I'll think of something to make up for that. Luke reigns supreme for another week as a result. Um, so all that's left for me to say is thanks for all your questions. Thanks for listening. Um, please tell all your Dale supporting mates about us if you can. Uh, that'll be really appreciated. And all that's left for me to say after that is thanks for joining me, Ryan. No, nice one. like that. Cheers, Chaff. Nice one. Thank you very much. And cheers, Luke. Cheers, lads. Catch you next time. Up the Dale. You know what doesn't make sense, right? When Dean says a one-word answer and you start talking, shit. How do you answer it? If it's in the sea, the shark. You can answer. Commit. Go for it. No, because I need context. <laughs> the only place they could fight is in the sea, if the lion could swim, but then the shark could just win. On land, the shark just dies. What if they had a fight in, like, a paddling pool? Well, the lion, because the shark won't be deep enough for a shark. All right, what if it was just about deep enough for the shark? Shark. Because it'd have to Lion. be... You'd have to Lion. It'd have to be Lion. deep. Too many variables. Depends how big the shark is. Depends how big the lion is. Depends where it is. This is your problem. You can't just commit to an answer, can you? Because I just don't like... Oh, Analyse everything.